Shane by Jack Schaefer, Chapter 12 The morning sun brightened our house and everything in the world outside. We had a good breakfast, Father and Shane taking their time because they had routed out early to get the chores done and were waiting to go to town. They saddled up presently and rode off, and I moped in front of the house, not able to settle to any kind of playing. After she bustled through the dishes, Mother saw me standing and staring down the road, and called me to the porch. She got our tattered old Parcheesi board, and she kept me humping to beat her. She was a grand one for games like that. She would be as excited as a kid, squealing at the big numbers and doubles, and counting proudly out loud as she moved her markers ahead. When I had won three games running, she put the board away and brought out two fat apples and my favorite of the books she had from the time she taught school. Munching on her apple, she read to me, and before I knew it the shadows were mighty short, and she had to skip in to get dinner, and Father and Shane were riding up to the barn. They came in while she was putting the food on the table. We sat down, and it was almost like a holiday, not just because it was not a work day, but because the grown folks were talking lightly, were determined not to let this Fletcher business spoil our good times. Father was pleased at what had happened in town. "'Yes, sir,' he was saying as we were finishing dinner. Ernie had a right good funeral. He would have appreciated it. Grafton made a nice speech, and by Godfrey, I believe he meant it. That fellow Weir had his clerk put together a really fine coffin. Wouldn't take a cent for it. And Sims over at the mine is knocking out a good stone. He wouldn't take a cent either. I was surprised at the crowd, too. Not a good word for Fletcher among them. And there must have been thirty people there. Thirty-four, said Shane. I counted them. They weren't just paying their respects to right, Marion. That wouldn't have brought in some of those I checked. They were showing their opinion of a certain man named Starrette, who made a pretty fair speech himself. This husband of yours is becoming quite a respected citizen in these parts. Soon as the town gets grown up and organized, he's likely to start going places. Give him time, and he'll be mayor. Mother caught her breath with a little sob. Give him time, she said slowly. She looked at Shane, and there was panic in her eyes. The lightness was gone, and before anyone could say more, we heard the horses turning into our yard. I dashed to the window to peer out. It struck me strange that Shane, usually so alert, was not there ahead of me. Instead, he pushed back his chair and spoke gently, still sitting in it. That will be Fletcher, Joe. He's heard how the town is taking this, and knows he has to move fast. You take it easy. He's playing against time now, but he won't push anything here. Father nodded at Shane and went to the door. He had taken off his gun belt when he came in, and now passed it to lift the rifle from its nails on the wall. Holding it in his right hand, barrel down, he opened the door and stepped out on the porch, clear to the front edge. Shane followed quietly and leaned in the doorway, relaxed and watchful. Mother was beside me at the window, staring out, crumpling her apron in her hand. There were four of them, Fletcher and Wilson in the lead, two cowboys tagging. They had pulled up about twenty feet from the porch. 
This was the first time I had seen Fletcher for nearly a year. He was a tall man, who must once have been a handsome figure, in the fine clothes he always wore, and with his arrogant air and his finely chiseled face, set off by his short-cropped black beard and brilliant eyes. Now, a heaviness was setting in about his features, and a fatty softness was beginning to show in his body. His face had a shrewd cast, and a kind of reckless determination was on him that I did not remember ever noticing before. Stark Wilson, for all the dude look Frank Torrey had mentioned, seemed lean and fit. He was sitting idly in his saddle, but the pose did not fool you. He was wearing no coat, and the two guns were swinging free. He was sure of himself, serene and deadly. The curl of his lip beneath his mustache was a combination of confidence in himself and contempt for us. Fletcher was smiling and affable. He was certain he held the cards and was going to deal them as he wanted. "'Sorry to bother you, Starrett, so soon after that unfortunate affair last night. I wish it could have been avoided. I really do. Shooting is so unnecessary in these things, if only people would show sense. But Wright never should have called Mr. Wilson here a liar. That was a mistake.' "'It was,' Father said curtly. "'But then—' Ernie always did believe in telling the truth. I could see Wilson stiffen and his lips tighten. Father did not look at him. Speak your peace, Fletcher, and get off my land. Fletcher was still smiling. There's no call for us to quarrel, Starrette. What's done is done. Let's hope there's no need for anything like it to be done again. You've worked cattle on a big ranch, and you can understand my position. I'll be wanting all the range I can get from now on. Even without that, I can't let a bunch of nesters keep coming in here and choke me off from my water rights. We've been over that before, Father said. You know where I stand. If you have more to say, speak up and be done with it. All right, Starrett. Here's my proposition. I like the way you do things. You've got some queer notions about the cattle business, but when you tackle a job— you take hold and do it thoroughly. You and that man of yours are a combination I could use. I want you on my side of the fence. I'm getting rid of Morgan, and I want you to take over as foreman. From what I hear, your man would make one heck of a driving trail boss. The spot's his. Since you've proved up on this place, I'll buy it from you. If you want to go on living here, that can be arranged. If you want to play around with that little herd of yours, that can be arranged too." but I want you working for me. Father was surprised. He had not expected anything quite like this. He spoke softly to Shane behind him. He did not turn or look away from Fletcher, but his voice carried clearly. Can I call the turn for you, Shane? Yes, Joe. Shane's voice was just as soft, but it too carried clearly, and there was a little note of pride in it. Father stood taller there on the edge of the porch. He stared straight at Fletcher. And the others, he said slowly. Johnson, Shipstead, and the rest. What about them? They'll have to go. Father did not hesitate. No. I'll give you a thousand dollars for this place as it stands, and that's my top offer. No. The fury in Fletcher broke over his face, 
and he started to turn in the saddle toward Wilson. He caught himself and forced again that shrewd smile. There's no percentage in being hasty, Starrette. I'll boost the ante to twelve hundred. That's a lot better than what might happen if you stick to being stubborn. I'll not take an answer now. I'll give you till tonight to think it over. I'll be waiting at Grafton's to hear you talk sense. He swung his horse and started away. The two cowboys turned to join him by the road. Wilson did not follow at once. He leaned forward in his saddle and drove a sneering look at Father. Yes, Starrett, think it over. You wouldn't like someone else to be enjoying this place of yours, and that woman there in the window. He was lifting his reins with one hand to pull his horse around, and suddenly he dropped them and froze to attention. It must have been what he saw in Father's face. We could not see it, Mother and I, because Father's back was to us, but we could see his hand tightening on the rifle at his side. "'Don't, Joe!' Shane was beside Father. He slipped past, moving smooth and steady, down the steps and over to one side to come at Wilson on his right and stop not six feet from him. Wilson was puzzled, and his right hand twitched and then was still as Shane stopped and as he saw that Shane carried no gun. Shane looked up at him, and Shane's voice flicked in a whiplash of contempt. "'You talk like a man because of that flashy hardware you're wearing.' Strip it away, and you'd shrivel down to boy size. The very daring of it held Wilson motionless for an instant, and Father's voice cut into it. Shane, stop it! The blackness faded from Wilson's face. He smiled grimly at Shane. You do need someone to look after you. He whirled his horse and put it to a run to join Fletcher and the others in the road. It was only then that I realized Mother was gripping my shoulders so that they hurt. She dropped on a chair and held me to her. We could hear Father and Shane on the porch. He'd have drilled you, Joe, before you could have brought the gun up and pumped in a shell. But you, you crazy fool! Father was covering his feelings with a show of exasperation. You'd have made him plug you just so I'd have a chance to get him. Mother jumped up. She pushed me aside. She flared at them from the doorway. And both of you would have acted like fools just because he said that about me. I'll have you two know that if it's got to be done, I can take being insulted just as much as you can. Peering around her, I saw them gaping at her in astonishment. But Marion, father objected mildly, coming to her. What better reason could a man have? Yes, said Shane gently. What better reason? He was not looking just at Mother. He was looking at the two of them.